0: All right, it's about that time. Welcome once again to another stop on the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast. Every black film ever made. I am your host, Vincent Williams of It's All Soul. Wednesdays, 8 to 10 on G-Town Radio. I'm joined, of course, by... Yo, what's up? Holler at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat-Tribble of Black Tribbles fame. And on this stop, we will examine, critique, discuss... Mm-hmm. Gina Prince Blythewood's two thousand and fourteen film, Beyond the Lights. Yes. But before we get to that, as usual, we'll address some business, some emails, some responses. Letters.
1: Well, we've we got get letters. letters. Very nice. Yeah, yeah Throwback.
0: Uh, we got an email from
1: friend to the show, Dorian Missick. Hey! Who emailed us at Michelle Missick. Very nice. What's up, gmail. Dorian? Com. He said, um, reflecting on the show, the episode that he did with us where we review Clockers, he said that the show turned out great. Oh, that's good. I'm and, glad you liked it, bro. And he mentions that he came across this article on shadowandact.com and and thought of us. It's about the Black Exorcist film you talk about <laughs> all the time. It's definitely uh, comedy. Um, it is... Abby, yes, you know, you know that film, yes, the infamous Abby, the infamous Black Exorcist film that we have determined will not see the light of day anytime soon. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. We had um, we, we we had a letter like last week or a couple of weeks ago talked about the legalities of it, mm-hmm. how it was sort of buried,
1: right? Because it was like advertised as like the Black <laughs> Exorcist, right? You know, um, and this story on Shadow and Act, which we will put on uh, up on Twitter and on our Facebook page, is talking about how, considering the infamous Black Exorcist movie Abby, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And the <laughs> the um, the article actually has a picture of Abby, and uh, once you see it,
0: yeah, you, yeah, that's her.
1: You can't, you can't unsee that picture. Yeah. That is burned in your head, no more. the po- The poster tagline for the film when it was released read, "Abby doesn't need a man
0: anymore. The
1: devil is her lover now. The devil
0: is her lover now." You know, it, and and that's sort of the funny thing. Like, like, you know, they said it's the Black Exorcist, but if you've ever seen Abby, mm-hmm. besides the fact that she's um possessed. The plot is a little different because, you know, in The Exorcist, it's a little girl. Abby's a grown woman. Right. Abby stars Carol Speed um,
1: in the lead role of Abby, uh, joined by Blackula himself, William William Marshall, Marshall, as The Exorcist. The movie follows a woman who is possessed by the devil, but not just any ordinary devil. This devil is a crazed nymphomaniac African sex devil, which means Abby goes around having lots of sex and causing all kinds of havoc mm. until Marshall's character arrives to drive the evil demon from her body doing so in some hood based Louisville dive. And if the idea of performing an exorcism in a bar isn't black enough for you, then I don't know <laughs> what is. That's from this uh, the article on chat. Enact act um by sergio Mims. uh like i said we're going to put this on on uh twitter and facebook it's it's interesting i
0: i i look forward to
1: us uh reviewing
0: abby it would actually be nice to hunt down a print of it i mean as we've kind of talked about through through the past weeks i don't know how easy it would be and like i said i don't even know how i saw it well I'm pretty sure it was it was a blockbuster. Like like it was, again, like I said, one of those tapes sitting in blockbuster and we saw it. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Dorian, for pointing that out to us. We definitely thank you, know, you. Love that. We also got an email from a
1: friend of the show, Maurice Poplar. Hey, what's up, Maurice? What's up, Maurice? He hit us up with uh, an idea for the show. He said that um, he would love to see us do a crossover podcast. Oh, okay. With another podcast that I actually do listen to. Um, a podcast. D- Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time.
0: Yeah, period. that's a nice podcast. Yeah, that's
1: a kind of cool. That's a cool podcast. Uh, he says that um, uh, he's been super geeked by their podcast lately. Uh, either or both of the dudes on there would be a great addition to do a Denzel film, even if it's not a Spike film, there'd be a lot of cleaning up to do if I heard two of my favorite podcasts coming together in bliss. <laughs> mm. Okay, Maurice. <laughs> all right. Dude. All right. Uh, we'll reach out to them cats. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're on a, a slightly higher level, uh, they, than well, us. you know,
0: you supposed to punch up. Yeah. So, so, so we'll punch out. Up. Those of you that don't know, that is a podcast focusing on the performances of Denzel Washington in film. Yeah, it it, it 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 they actually are going through every right Denzel Washington movie which you know. It's it's funny I was I was thinking like like you know I have so many films I'm kind of holding off like I want to just pull them out.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: And a soldier's story is one of them.
1: Yeah, well there's a few. Like a Soldier's story um I'm really uh I'm really Itching to get to, I'm re- actually really itching to get to um, uh, uh, a more better blues.
0: I mean, you don't look you the one that keeps putting a moratorium on Spike Lee because you know, you know. I know, I know. So I, I figured you it's, know, it's probably not going to be for another year. Oh, okay, okay. How about
1: another year? But okay, you you know, <laughs> Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time. Period. Podcast stars uh, comedians. W. Kamal Bell and comedian actor Kevin Avery. Yeah, uh, they are the hosts of that podcast. You yeah. can check them out on um, on Earwolf on Earwolf.com. We'll okay. reach out to them. And see right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Very nice. And, you yeah. know, hey, yeah. it's a good
1: idea. Try and get in our strategy. Maybe, maybe, maybe a, a certain friend of the show. Dorian. I mean, if
0: only we had, had a connection a to Hollywood friend <laughs> who was plugged in to the inner workings of Black Hollywood. If. if only speaking of if only
1: we had a friend uh plugged into the inner workings of hollywood um we got a couple of tweets uh one of which actually came by way a little bit of hollywood it's from terry jingles okay i'm saying that correct uh Maybe Terry Gingles. Now that I think about it, G I N G L E S. That's probably Gingles, right?
0: Okay, Let's Terry do. Terry Gingles. We'll say it's the hard G.
1: Yeah, I, I I think it's the hard G. Who said that? I got on the Macho Mission podcast thanks to my homie Dorian Messick. There you go. And I'm glad I did. Been listening ever since. Great work, fellas. We Thank you. Really appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, Terry is you really a, do a director and author um, who loves movies, music, food. And the Lakers. Okay, well, okay. you know, right. you know, three out of four can't be bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, that that's one love. Thanks, thanks a lot for following us. Yes, yes, uh, yes Terry, absolutely appreciate. It. That's cool. We also got a, a hit up from uh, the mayor, Tribble Dan Dinkins. Yeah, what's up, Dan? He hit us up, and uh, he he couldn't wait to hear our review of the Monkey Hustle. and he said um, he said and I quote don't forget me on Dolomite (laughs) way down in the jungle deep y'all can finish the rest (laughs) so see see, people love Dolomite man yeah well you you know (laughs) Um, shout out to the uh, mayor Uh, I caught up with him this weekend in New York right 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 right, right uh, and then the 39th triple. Tom Laporta hit us up saying Michelle Mission, great show. But you implied that Yafuk Kodo was in only good movies in the 70s. He was actually in the worst
0: James Bond movie. Oh, you're bugging. That time. You're bugging. How is Live and Let Die the worst James Bond movie?
1: Well, he's saying during that time. The the, the worst James Bond movie of that time.
0: <sighs> Live and Let Die is buried in
1: Moonraker. Live and Let Die is better than Moonraker. Moonraker is what? 79.
0: 80? I guess, I mean, you know, it's that it's that little live and Let Die it's is that moment. Like it's about My James Bond foo is 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 right above weak. Okay. So like I have a little James Bond foo. Okay. okay. But Live and Let Die is better than um Moon Moonraker is not good. Yeah. No, Moonraker is a bad. And one. I'm going to say this. I need to see Octopussy again. No, you don't. Octopussy's not good either. Is it, is it better than Live and Let Die? See, that's why I'm saying... Like,
1: like I I'm, don't think it's better than Live and Let Die. I, I think that what Moonraker... What lets Moonraker and Octopussy down, mostly, is that Roger Moore... And like By then, it's just straight camp. Yes, and, and it, exactly. But not only is it camp, Roger Moore is too old for the role. Yes. So that's, that's what both lets right. both of those movies down. I'm just saying,
0: I'm ready to go on record as saying Live and Let Die. Is better than Moonraker, yes. but I don't really remember Octopussy as well.
1: No, Octopussy
0: is not that great.
1: It's, okay, Octopussy is probably better than Moonraker because Moonraker is just all about trying to catch the you know right catch the catch the trend. Yeah, yeah, the hot yeah, thing it, about space and stuff. Yeah, but so it's a little bit better than that. Um, but no, it's not a good movie. It's yeah, a, and Living Let Die is. It, it, don't get me wrong. I don't think "Living Let Die" will go down as one of no, the classic. No, no, Bonds. no, no! I
0: mean, I mean, look. I mean, let's just go ahead and say it. Did Roger Moore make a good James Bond movie? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, again, I'm not. I'm not like that's not one of my 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 main interests. Like, I'm not a James Bond dude. Right. Like, I know a little James Bond, but I, you know, so I feel like that's a legitimate question. Did Roger Moore make? A good james Bond film I don't
1: my personal opinion, I don't think that he made a good james okay, Roger. I think he may have been in some films that weren't bad, but I particularly don't like Roger Moore as james Bond Me so, either so I'm predisposed to not Me enjoy either either, you know. but what I will say, and this is probably in some people's mind might be heresy um I will say that I think that um. Her Majesty's Secret Service that's the one with George Lansby, Yes, right yes I think that's a better movie than anything Roger Moore did
0: I don't think that's heresy like I don't think there's anyone I who think argues that, I against think, that
1: I think George Lansby was
0: not a good James Bond but he was that is a good movie hey man I always want to go back to the source material James Bond is little more than a thug yeah. in a tuxedo sometimes yeah, yeah. Roger Moore was always I mean it's the um to a certain extent it's the Timothy Dalton thing to a certain extent like like that like prep school James Bond kind of misses the whole, not Timothy Dalton, who else, who am I thinking about? You may be thinking about Pierce Brosnan. I'm thinking about Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, I'm not thinking, definitely a dark No, no, James no, you're Bond. right. I'm not think, I'm, I was thinking about Pierce Brosnan. It's the Pierce Brosnan thing. Yeah. Prep school James Bond misses the point. Yeah. According to the source material. Yeah.
1: So, you know. Th- that being said, though, I think Pierce Brosnan grew into that role.
0: I think he did the best with, yeah, right. right, but but you know,
1: ultimately, I could never take him seriously as James Bond I could ne- again. I, I I don't know. It, it, it just he just didn't look it like Timothy Dalton. I actually could buy Timothy
0: Dalton no, no, no. as James no, no, no. Bond. No, no, no. I know I was mistaken. I was thinking yeah. about Pierce Brosnan. I said Timothy Dalton, but right. but you know,
1: I could buy him as James Bond. Um, I like I, I would have loved to see Timothy Dalton in Pierce Brosnan's movies.
0: Right. You know, because right. I don't
1: think Pierce was in bad movies
0: right 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 I think they were still they were trying to they were trying to figure it out yeah. like by the time they got trying to and, you know yeah. re- re-event the like world. like what are we going to do with it yeah. I mean you know Connery Craig Lasby Lansby, Lansby um, Dalton Brosnan Moore. that's my list in order mm. hmm. that's interesting I would definitely I, I mean Sean
1: is forever that's just James Bond Craig uh, I think I'm going Pierce over Timothy only because Timothy's like as good as he was the movies just weren't good the movies just weren't good so yeah. I'm, I, they, were, they were like
0: placeholders yeah
1: <laughs> so I'm going Pierce over Dalton and then Lansaby. Um then I'll go David Niven in the original Casino Royal. Oh, that's Royal.
0: interesting that you go Niven. <laughs> you you count Niven
1: only because I want to put Roger Moore as low as, as low as possible.
0: possible. You're going to slip in a comedy.
1: <laughs> I'm going to slip in a bad comedy. Nice. Co- Casino Royal is not right,
0: good. right. Right. You might as well start uh, doing my man Flint. So then we'll which go with your better James Bond movies than the Roger. Movies. So then we'll go James. Colbert, so what are we, What are we? Are we at ten minutes now talking about James Bond? Like, are we at 10 minutes talking about James Bond? Wait a minute. We gotta get to Dean Martin. What was
1: Dean Martin's character?
0: Oh, um what was Dean Oh, Martin's? see now in like Flint is is stuck in my head. No, know what um, was Dean Martin.
1: He wasn't um Oh, uh, because he had like he did like a couple of them. He did. He did at least two of them. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh my god, what's the Dean Martin Spy movies? Uh Dean Martin Spy movies, oh my god. Matt Helm. Matt Helm?
0: Yeah. That's right.
1: <laughs> yeah, Matt Helm.
0: That's right.
1: So We're going Connery. (laughs) Connery. Uh, Daniel Craig. Pierce Brosnan. Timothy Dalton. George Lansenby. James Colburn is my our man Flint. Um, Actually, I'll put Flint over. I'll put Flint over Pierce. So I'll put Flint then Pierce,
0: yeah, because quietly James Coburn looked like he put them hands on. <laughs> he put them hands, right, right. He, he put them hands. And, and like pull out some piano wire. Almost oh, certainly, he yeah. was no joke. So. so
1: Flint, then we'll go Pierce, um, Dalton, Lansen, B, uh, 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 Matt Helm, <laughs> Dean Martin is <and> Matt Helm. <laughs> David Niven, and then and then we'll go to the comic books to James Bond Jr. Right, right, right. And then we'll go to and Roger then, Moore. And then
0: we'll go to Roger Moore. So for the record, we're not necessarily James Bond people. <laughs> we don't go that deep into it. This is not a James Bond podcast. This is not a James Bond podcast. Hey, do you subscribe to the um to the continuity to the one continuity? No, I don't. So, so you, the, you know, the theory is that they're all they're in all... one, and James Bond is a code name. Right,
1: right, right. So right, that right.
0: it's just different agents. Yeah, I like it.
1: I kind of like that. It idea. contradicts
0: itself in a few of the movies, but I, I do like the and, theory. And,
1: and, and a whole lot of them. Yeah,
0: but I like the theory. Anyway, I would not say that Live and Let Die is the worst James Bond movie.
1: No, we wouldn't no we went and we by no means mean to imply that Yafikoto only did good movies in
0: the at, yeah, not at all because he did
1: the monkey hustle
0: because he did <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's time to get into beyond the lights Why you wanna fly Blackbird You ain't ever gonna fly. No place big enough for hope
0: everybody says I'm special because I have this voice All
1: the tears, you gonna
0: cry but I'm just saying what everybody else wants me to say because your mama's
1: name was can you look at me for a second you never no wait! hey 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 look at me I see you I see you
0: I see you it's in the moments when you're left all on your own And it hits you from... That night on the balcony, you were screaming, I see you. It's so, okay. just what do you see? Don't be scared
1: It's your life, sir. Don't throw it away. This is
0: different. <laughs> Cause I hear you loud as a bomb One Shoulder to cry on. Here and now, you're afraid. Don't you worry. I'll teach you to fly before. When did you ever tell me that you didn't want this? When I was on that balcony. Away. I need you. Don't you worry. You need me. I'll teach you to fly before you fall away. Here we have, again, this is Gina Price Blythewood's 2014's Beyond the Lights, which covers a rising pop singer slash r b singer, slash Phanon Noni, played by Gugu Mbatha-Raw. Yes. And she is at a crossroads. She is at a crossroads. She is at a crisis point. And for all intents and purposes, she attempts suicide. A policeman, Kaz, played by Nate Parker, saves her. Mm-hmm. And the film centers on their relationship on their, and in the midst of their relationship both of them have interpersonal issues going on separately Mubatha um, Ra or Noni's relationship with her mother Minnie Driver and all of the challenges and and sort of issues that she has to deal with being a pop star. But Kaz also has his own issues going yes. on. Because while he is a policeman, this is all part of a plan put together by himself and his father, played by Danny Glover, yeah. to pursue a career in politics. Mm-hmm. So we have both of these characters going on dealing with that, dealing with each other, and what becomes a romance. Yeah. So, Lynn... Yes, this is your choice. What you got to say about Beyond the Lights?
1: As you pointed out, this movie was directed, uh, written, and written and directed exactly Gina Prince uh, Blythewood, known famously as the writer and director of Disappearing Acts, uh, as well as the romantic classic in a a lot of households. Yeah, Love and Basketball. Yeah. Um this was a movie that was almost six years in the making mm-hmm. um because quite to her surprise, she could not find anyone to a studio willing to back this story, which she felt was like a no brainer because of the whole pop star element of it right which right. meant that you could you know be tying in like you know the music of the day and stuff like that you know it's like uh like catered towards you know the th- today's music today's young adult looking for some you know a nice little romance um but she couldn't find anyone to back her and then when she did find a studio to back her they were insistent that she cast a white actor to play opposite of the lead right uh google and batha raw and she was uh steadfast against that she wanted to cast Nate Parker, um, and ultimately she left that one studio that was going to back her, but she was able to find funding from BET and Relativity Media uh, to make Beyond the Lights uh, exactly um, the movie that she wanted to make it. This is a movie from 2014 that its trailer doesn't know justice Mm. the trailer is cut in such a way and all of the promotion of this Mm -hmm. movie is basically cut in such a way to advertise this movie as more or less this generation's the bodyguard right which is a reductive way of boiling down the the essence of the story and you know that you've got this pop star and this guy who becomes kind of like her quote unquote bodyguard. Um, and the trailer really, and all of the promotion really spoke to that very um, narrow read of the, of the movie. But that is 100% not what this movie is. And you can tell just from the opening Mm. um, with the opening scene where you see a young Noni uh, played by uh, India. I want to get her name correct. uh, India Jean uh, Jacques. uh, I'll correct it if I'm wrong. I I think I may have mispronounced the name. I apologize. Um, uh, uh, But a young Noni at a Talent contest. Um, Looks like she's maybe in like fourth grade or yeah, something like yeah. that. And you see, and, and it is over in England because she's British, right? And you see, like you know, some kids like doing the typical like tap dancing and you know hula hooping and stuff like that. And she gets up there with these uh, adorable mop head of curls and sings "Blackbird" by Nina Simone. <laughs> acapella right and as innocent as this young girl is you don't necessarily feel the feeling of the words that she's singing but you can you certainly sense the soul in her muse in her tone right and Right? In, and in her uh, inflection uh, that she is even at a young age grasping to understand what she is singing Right, and it and has made all the more powerful that it's coming from this in, such, this innocent picture. And she wins second prize, right, in her contest. Uh, at which point, her mother, played by Minnie Driver, um, just storms out of there and refuses to let Noni accept that um, that award. Like, as far as she's concerned, that's just a participation award, right? Right. And we don't right. accept participation awards. Let me tell you that this movie had me right from that scene. Yeah. And it doubly had me when I saw that the mother was played by Minnie Driver. Minnie Driver is one of my favorite actors.
0: She's actress- she's a great actress.
1: Because she is a woman that has not ever gotten her due. Yeah. She is good in everything. Yeah. I have yet to see her be bad. Yeah. and And she is... It, Equally impactful in this movie, um, because w- before that, before I I I, I bury the lead before she goes to do that, and so you're thinking like, wow, she's like this bad mother, but before she goes to do that, you see her actually taking her daughter, you know, to a black hairdresser in England. Basically telling her, look, I cannot do anything with her hair.
0: Right, because because Minnie Driver is white. Is white. And this is her biracial daughter.
1: Our biracial daughter that she's been raising, struggling uh, in England. I cannot do anything with her hair. She's got this talent contest. Please do something with your hair. The, the is about to close. Um, and, the, and the woman f- takes pity on her and does her hair. and And it's great. And from there on in this movie, and then it quickly cuts to a grown noni. Who is more or less, like you say, she's a pop star, but she's a pop star on the come, right? Because she is the pop star that the the urban label is is uh uh uh, uh, uh creating, right? By way of the doing hooks on the hot rap song, um, by manufacturing a relationship with the hot rapper. Of the moment, uh, which is Kid Culprit, played by um, MGK, mm-hmm. a, a local artist, a white rapper. Um, so the it, and it's a recipe that you has repeated itself in popular music over the years, right? At nauseam. So you see her following following that recipe, but what you can also so and it it quickly captures the trappings of that world you see the 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 magazine covers with her all all uh uh, uh um. Blinged out with, blinged out with the scantily dress and uh, the weaves all in the hair, the tracks all up in her hair. You see her singing the hooks on on the track. She's now, dude has got the. Uh, you see their video, which said that it's Kid Culprit featuring Noni, but bit, pretty much the whole video is her
0: right. cooing
1: and playing sexually to the to the screen, just creating this whole image. And you can see them, and when you see her. Cuts to her backstage at the Billboard Awards, they're about to win the Billboard Awards. and You can see her mother, you know, the driving force, the managers, like this is is what she has worked hard to uh for. Um you know that it's just a moment. Uh the the album is about to drop after, you know, they pick up this award for her singing for um the the hook on this guy who she's kind of got a relationship going on with and everything like that. And as much as you're seeing her in that moment and she's selling it she's selling that sex she's selling that lifestyle she also google mbatha raw it's also selling behind the eyes that this is not her mm-hmm. you know it's not her from that first scene and you're wondering okay where how did we get to here but that was just you know by by the force of the mom that that's how you got there But you can see in the back of her eyes in her eyes that this is not where she wants to be. Um, And that's very important because there's not a lot of time that uh, spent from that moment to her on the balcony. Right. So you've got to catch the whatever torture she may be going through. You've got to be able to feel that just from the the presence that this actress is bringing to the screen. Mm-hmm. Cut to her on the balcony; she's about to about to jump. Her mother sees her. Nate Parker comes running in, and cut to Nate Parker is now. He has. Um. He is he is just calling on his inner Denzel. The whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, yo, this is young Denzel.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: This is young Denzel, right? He doesn't have Denzel's smile. Right. He's got a little bit of the mumble core that some actors do, right. that which which bothered me. But everything else, the charisma I was in the presence. The, chop, the presence. Just the presence. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. And the presence is there in him. The presence is there in Google Mbatha Raw. They are supported. By incredibly strong actors on either side, by Minnie Driver and Danny Glover, um, and it's a story. And it's a story that, in some ways, is as old as time. Yet it still finds a way of going a little differently. Mm-hmm. And the way it finds by going differently is by building up these characters in such a way through script, through direction. And through the acting building them in, up in such a way that you feel them. I am not looking at Google and Batha I am not looking at Nate Parker. I am looking at Noni Jean and I am looking at Kaz Nickel and I am watching them try to find their way navigating through uh, the life that has pretty much been set up for them by their parents. Her the, the, the way of this pop star mm-hmm. um through through selling sex and and glamour um not relying on the talent that is there um him trying to go further than his father was able to go into the world of politics right um with a forthright mission i mean he is a he is a, a steadfast man that wants to do better right um and in some and, and in some ways that's maybe a little bit laid on a little bit too thick i mean he's, he he's almost like like he is like, like he's almost like prince charming's prince charming in a right, way right 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 uh in, in his like forthrightness and and doesn't do anything wrong but he, yeah, for, i bought into the fairy tale that uh, at least that fairy tale aspect of it um I think I really bought into it because while you are kind of seeing him navigate his way, the story is still about beyond the lights. It still is more Noni Jean's story and mm-hmm. her journey. Yeah. You know, his is very much the B story in here. Um, I, when this movie came out because of the marketing, I didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't care yeah. about this movie whatsoever. I like Gina Prince Blythewood. I've loved a lot of her work. I was a fan of Disappearing Act. I was a fan yeah. of Love and Basketball. Um
0: Secret Life of Bees. Secret Life of Bees, yeah, yes. A good one.
1: Um I watched I watched this movie and I was thoroughly entertained and absolutely captivated by this movie. Um I think her direction was pristine in this film and more so than just her direction and I want to give a a shout out to this person as well the cinematography yeah by Tammy Riker yeah I think this may have been one of the
0: most gorgeous movies I have seen in a long time I think she must have chased every perfect piece of sunlight didn't she though in los angeles when she shot this mm-hmm. like what do they call it? like the magic hour yeah which is like that perfect time to shoot yeah she she must have had an app on her phone <laughs> right to know what because because it really was beautiful. it really
1: and it but and it but that beauty goes with it every place this movie goes the movie goes down into mexico and you see <laughs> them right. on the beach right it's still just a gorgeous movie yeah. capturing the settings of LA I mean it paints a picture perfect it paints it paints uh, local LA when you see um, uh, 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 Kaz at his home it paints a little bit of the gritty LA when you see him as a cop having a deal with some of this stuff he has to deal with in the streets it it paints the paparazzi of LA yeah. the, the pop star glamour glitz and glamour of LA um, with all of its faults, with all of its foibles, um, the combination of those two, uh, it's just spectacular. This is, I don't, in my estimation, you know, Nate Parker is excellent in this film. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really do love it. But this is a star making movie. Role for Google and Bafara, and she runs with it. Not, like the only other movie that I saw her in, she was in Bell,
0: right? And I thought it, she was very good. I in didn't Belle. see
1: Belle. she was good in Bell. Um, but this is totally different character, right? One hundred percent, totally different character. Um, uh, but a character that definitely has l- levels because she has to play the the pop star on all levels from the shallowness to you know letting you in underneath and then as to when she finally truly finds herself and returns to the little girl who you know the, the talent that that is within you still believe that that is the same character that is not an easy road for a lot of people right, right. um this is a movie that easily could have starred you know one of the any of the singers from Destiny's Child including Beyonce and none of... And, but I don't see... it But I'm just saying. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying. Just to like get it made. I can right, see right, it, right, you right, know, right. Beyonce right. wanted to do this role. Right, right, right. Um, but it... it She couldn't have done anything with yeah. this role. She couldn't have done anything with this role. This was um just a magnificent film from start to finish. I... I mean, I could, there's some things I could maybe quibble on some Mm -hmm. little story bits and everything like that. But I was so thoroughly entertained by it that, like you say, like we've always said, you know, when you're really entertained by stuff.
0: Right. You can overlook. You overlook it
1: because you're just going for that ride, man. You're going for that ride. And I was along for the ride. Hook, line and sinker. I absolutely love Beyond the Lights.
0: Oh, well, this is fantastic because now I get to be the negative one for once. Mm -hmm. I, um, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I think I, I think you you kind of captured my read in the very beginning when you said that the advertising for this film is it. I'm not going to say it's completely different, but but it, it focuses on 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 the part of the film that by my viewing was the weakest part of the film. Frankly, like I thought, the actual romance part mm-hmm. was the least interesting part. Of the film, like really? I thought the um the relationship between Noni and her mother, yeah, and 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 the the <clears throat> way they were sort of dealing with the music industry, I thought was utterly fascinating, and and you know sort of and I'll talk about how the film handles the oversexualization of female singers and all that in a moment, but I love that, and I wanted more that like I like I could have watched an entire film of these two women trying to figure out how to make her a star mm. and the pressure that put on their mother-daughter relationship and you know not for nothing it's i think it's 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 very understated but it's very much there the the way that race complicates their relationship where you have this white mother and right. this biracial daughter that you know as the text says her parents wanted her to give her up. She's, you know, the fa- the father is nowhere to be found. Yeah, and you know, the the film opens with sort of um, the most cliche of of sort of biracial children challenge, right? The, you know, the, the white hair. mother and the black child yeah. who, and I don't know how to do her hair, right? right. And you know, and and I thought it was played. Lovely the way she goes in and and you know she goes to this woman and you know I think she's a Jamaican immigrant yeah because she has a Jamaican flag up and the, it, the hairdresser the hairdresser right and then the hairdresser comes to the audition mm-hmm. and you see how this girl's hair pulls these women together and and now you almost have this kind of de facto family. Right. Like I think BB Moore Campbell does something like this in one of her no- like I want to say brothers and sisters. Like there's a there's a novel she does where it's the same thing a white woman has a little girl, little black daughter and then the black women in the neighborhood help her with the hair and then they all kind of figure it out. And then you know, you have this wonderful kind of cut as you say to when Noni is an adult and now Noni's wearing a blonde wig. And you know this isn't a coincidence because hair is this kind of through line in this whole film? True. You know, Noni and her hair and what her hair says about her identity. So I thought that was utterly fascinating. I could have watched the whole film just on that. On the other side, and, and I think you're right, it, it, it is very much the B plot, and they give you just enough of it for me to go, oh, I, I want to see this. Nate Parker's character and how Danny Glover has been shaping him. Mm-hmm. To go into politics, mm-hmm. and you know, and he says, you know, I have a law degree. Now I'm a policeman. This is all part of the plan. And, and there, there are scenes where they show him kind of sticking his toe into the political waters. And there's a there's a a, a politician who's going to retire, and now they're trying to figure out if Nate Parker is going to run. I mean, Kaz is going to run for this office, and he's meeting with local um local kingmakers. You know. Yeah pastors and this ones and that ones and, and you know he tells and i love that like i love that part of it too and i just i don't know like like i keep kind of i keep trying to do the math but what i keep coming up with is Nate Parker is fantastic Gugu Mobatha Raw is fantastic mm. the, the two of them together left me cold Really, you didn't find that they had any chemistry. I didn't think they had any chemistry, and again, I think their singular performances were great. And I think, um, I I think Noni does this really remarkable thing, whereas, as as and you know, I I think this is a testament to Mubatha Raw, and it's a testament to Gina Prince Blythewood, where she starts off, like you said, this very sort of artificial kind of removed actress, and I remember it like if you look at my notes like the fur like the top of my notes I'm like Mubatha Raw is better than this because like y- y- you know like I, ju- I I, I used to watch in Doctor Who <laughs> like, yeah that's
1: right she was uh, Trish right
0: yeah she played a uh, old girl sister right and I was like you know I know she she acts so I was looking at it and you know when she's in full noni mode mm-hmm. she's kind of removed but as the film goes on and it again back to the hair like she takes takes her tracks out out, that was a beautiful scene and she comes alive like it's like she activates Yeah, and she's amazing and you know not for nothing as amazing as these two actors are I think their scenes with each other pale in comparison to their scenes with their parents because Minnie Driver and Danny Glover are extraordinary in this film, like I think they are fan and 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 you know I mean I mean Danny Glover just has that Danny Glover he's got,
1: he's, he's gravity Danny. yeah he's got that gravitas
0: you know just to everything he does but you know Minnie Driver like you said I think Minnie Driver is one of those great Hollywood stories mm-hmm. where I think in a lot of ways she got chewed up by the machine in the nineties mm-hmm. and never kind of like her and um. And, 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 like, what's my girl's name from um, Blade Runner? Sean. Um, oh, Sean Young. Sean Young. It's like her. Sean Young. Uh, you, you, you know, it's like a couple of the... who's Who's the actress who was in An Officer and a Gentleman?
1: The actress? I don't even
0: remember. Right, but you have these great actresses mm. who somehow never break through to the level that in a lot of ways they should have. And you know, I think a lot of it is the politics, I think it's the nature of film, this that and the other. And Minnie Driver is very much one of those actresses. Okay. So,
1: and, and that's fair enough. I don't remember the actress from Oscar uh, Officer and the Gentleman. Um, but I can't let you put Minnie Driver in this in even close to the same category as Sean Young. Sean Young shot herself in the foot.
0: No, no, no. Sean Young shot herself in the foot, but Sean Young shot but somebody handed her the gun.
1: Uh, I don't know about that. I, I I just wouldn't do I can't do that. You can't do that to Minnie Driver, not with me. You can't okay. do that. <laughs>
0: No, all right. We not go, we so, so we had a James Bond fight. We not going to have a fight, a fight on a uh, decades spe- specific white ingenues. You don't want to have that battle. No, we're not because Mini Driver was not such <laughs> some ingenue.
1: Minnie Driver is a fantastic actress. I think
0: Sean Nelson is a fantastic Shawn, actor. I don't even
1: know her name. Sean Young. So, I'm
0: sorry, Sean Young. I'm thinking. I'm back to fresh.
1: Sean Young. Um, mm. She did Blade Runner and then she did uh, Ace Ventura. Uh, that's uh, let it go, keep it, it moving.
0: Well, the politics of why she whatever. did whatever
1: uh, next. Uh, that's an interesting next. story. Next, uh, seriously, not for the Michelle mission. <sighs> keep it
0: moving. I like Beyond the Lights a lot. Like I said, I think it it was like this. I think it it had these. I'm smelling a butt coming though. No, it's not a butt. I mean, the butt is what I've said. I think it was a really solid a a good movie I thought it was a good movie but right underneath that good movie were hints of these two potentially extraordinary films
1: yeah I hear you on that but I think well first of all I I find it hard to that you didn't see a chemistry between the two of them I thought they had a chemistry Mm -hmm. Uh, don't get me wrong I don't think it was um, you know it wasn't like classic chemistry I mean like it wasn't the greatest chemistry but I thought they definitely had a chemistry um, together uh, on screen Um, I think like I mentioned before I think some of that is hurt by Nate Parker has a tendency to mumble his lines Mm -hmm. at least to me as I was hearing them and that was like kind of like getting on my nerves Mm -hmm. Like, like I felt Denzel Washington's charisma But Denzel Washington enunciates, yeah. So I know what he's saying. So sometimes I I was losing his words, Um, but overall I thought, and then I I actually thought that even though you had scenes of them together all throughout the movie, Mm -hmm. I thought that there was even when they kind of started building a relationship, there was was knowingly, a little bit of a detachment between the two of them. And it's uh, it's brought all the more real when things kind of fizzle out. And she's like, you know, why is it fizzling? And he basically tells her at that point, well, you know, yeah, it was kind of cool, but it started on a lie. Right. So how cool so it was never going to be but so cool right and like and that line was just like i mean you couldn't have smacked her harder with that line because it was 100 percent the truth right and it was then after that that she owns up to some of the things that she has been hiding behind um which which i will also say that i applaud the movie that it didn't go the cliche route route because like uh, a lesser movie would have had him drop the dime on her, or you would have seen this kind of um, National Enquirer uh, reporter that you see early in the film play more of a role later on in the film, Um, but it didn't do that. It it basically just dropped the expose out there without anybody having given her up. So now she's moved to have to uh, confess, come, come, come clean with a bunch of stuff. Uh, And it is that at that point, when they come together after that, right, and make a little bit of a getaway, it is at that point with the truth out there and they can be truthful with one another, which that you truly see them coming together and thus that chemistry is just like, to me, it's just like bleeding off of the screen the the quote unquote love scene between them that has some just beautiful music yes um a beautiful imagery but the most beautiful parts of the of those imagery are so many like small moments like the love scene is no nudity but it's it's very intimate very sexy very sensual um it's what love is because you see these these freeze frame moments of them just lying in the bed, you know, huddled, cuddling on one another, asleep, until you see them at the the head of the bed. Him knocked out and her just sitting there looking at him. Uh, there's a really very cute scene where they're they're uh, adorable scene and and so so like it just touched me when they're hugging and. She like bites on his shoulder. It's like you know, like it is real, Um, and he's holding her tight. Like, like yes, this is finally her. Um,
0: After she takes the the weave out, right? The weave out, which
1: I want to speak of. There was a um, an article written by Odie Henderson back in November of twenty fourteen, talking about that, talking about just that scene Mm -hmm. and how powerful uh, of a scene that was. Uh, In the opening paragraph, it says. There's a scene in Beyond the Lights that hit me with unexpected eye-watering emotional force. Noni um, stands in the bathroom mirror of a remote island resort where few know her fame, which, which is actually kind of cute when somebody asks her, <laughs> "Yeah, you you take, take a picture. picture, and she's <laughs> like, okay, and they realize, oh, you want me to take the picture right, right. of you? Like, I think it was cool. Uh, slowly and seemingly on a whim, She starts to remove her trademark straight purple weave, the strands falling into the sink as she fashions the curly hair underneath into a short, more natural style. Writer-director Gina Prince-Bythewood shoots this with little fanfare, almost nonchalantly, yet I was overwhelmed by the scene's quiet power. It exists on so many levels and I responded tearfully to each of them because by this point, Beyond the Lights had shown me so much of this character's internal and external struggle that I felt I knew her. I understood that this was the first time Noni probably had any say in her appearance since she became famous. The simple act of choosing how she presented herself was a rebellious moment of true liberation, a crucial first step in her self-healing process. And it was funny that when I read that how i culture kings is a podcast on the how stuff works network hosted by comedians jackie's neil and edgar monplacier The best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to
0: eat a taco? That's with your hands. With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce.
1: Felt when I saw that scene is that. I'm sure I knew that those were tracks in her hair. Mm hmm. But because she had worn it so much during the movie and it's worn it in so many ways in the movie because she had worn it pulled back, she wore it down, she wore it up in pigtails and she wore it in so many different ways that it almost became like happenstance to me. I I, I could sometimes see like a little bit of her curls sticking out from underneath it but I just totally got lost in oh that's her look, that's her hair. Mm -hmm. So much so that when she then cuts it and reveals the curliness underneath it I also was taken aback like yeah that's no me. Mm-hmm. that's who you are and I was so into I was so in that moment man
0: I I didn't like it I didn't like it you didn't like that scene I didn't like that scene I didn't like that part of the storyline and I'm gonna tell you why it's kind of like the conversation we had a few months ago about dope okay when i realized that the director was not a young director quote unquote he was a director more our age Mm -hmm. so that you had the character and dope espousing this sort of theory about how wonderful the hip-hop was in the 90s but the dude who wrote the script is a dude our age who of course loves the 90s this was my and i said i didn't like it just to be dramatic it's not that i didn't like it i just wanted more from this scene here is what gives me pause about this kind of narrative of um, and, 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 you know, this kind of folds into what I just said about how the film talked about the oversexualization of young singers and, you, you know, and then it's, you know, they, they, they're so fake and they have the hair and, and you know, and, and when she takes the hair out, this is all sort of uh, an external metaphor of how she's becoming more of herself and she's shedding Mm -hmm. All of this artifice. Mm -hmm. I think that that. Is very much. it, it, It represents the value system of somebody who is not the age. Of somebody who would be in that somebody the age of someone in that world per se. So that is very much a Gen X somebody in their 40s thought process. That you know these these girls you know not these women but these girls and and the hair and and they got the booties and and, and the stuff hanging out and they're just thrusting this that and the other and you know and let's be very clear I agree with that but I also know that that is my perspective. The thing is, if you talk to a lot of young people, specifically young women in this age group. I think, and you know, I'm thinking about a Beyonce, I'm thinking about a Rihanna, I'm thinking about a Nicki Minaj. Their interpretation of these women and their, you know, for lack of another word, their feminism and how that relates to their sexuality, how that relates to their appearance, whether we're talking about the the tracks in their hair and then the extensions in their hair, or the wigs, or or the the you, you know the 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 lack of clothing, if you will. I think it's I think that the conversation has become more nuanced and more complicated than oh these girls are getting objectified. Oh, they got all this fixed hair in their hair, and when they take that out, then we get to see the real them. As if you can't be the real you with purple hair and with you you know with with this sort you know scantily clad and like 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 I think there is there's there's more of a conversation that I can be scantily clad but I have ownership of my sexuality I have ownership of this and just because I'm scantily clad doesn't mean that I'm any less free if you will or any less non-objectified than I am if I'm wearing something else and I'm just hesitant to buy in completely with this mainly because it speaks to me so much like it's, it's again it's the dope thing like if you tell me that a tribe called quest and de la soul and black moon and you know are the greatest hip-hop groups of all time I'm gonna say well yes obviously they're the greatest hip-hop groups of all time but I do understand that that is my perspective and I think this was a a, a narrative through line that kind of showed that this is a, a a woman from a certain perspective and a certain viewpoint speaking that I don't think necessarily reflects the people that we're talking about. Again, like you said, this is a, um, a template that is supposed to represent these women. So, you know, again, you're talking about a Beyonce. You're talking about Nicki Minaj. You're talking about Rihanna. And I don't know if these three women would say when I take these extensions out I am now more fully me. So that that kind of I, I didn't that, I, that gave me pause because I thought it was too easy and too straightforward.
1: Well, I mean I, I hear you on it's kind of like simple an easy way to convey all of that in just this one sweeping movement. Um, but I still felt that it rang true. I felt that it rang true with this character because I felt that the whole time that you've seen her in this movie, she has been basically oh, oh, on her professional side, mm-hmm. has been pretty much just led. Right. Led by her mom, led by her handlers, led by her record company, and et cetera, et cetera. So that you know, she could be a little rambunctious, like when she runs off with Kaz, you know, but they were, the the leash was always there to pull her back. Sure. It was only when she, they just make a total break for it and and go, quote unquote, off the grid of a sort that she is actually able to, like she said, you know, uh, put her life on pause. And really take ownership of what she wanted to represent she is no she, the way she wants to represent herself is no less a sexy woman mm-hmm. she's still a, a sexy woman she still it wears clothes that definitely accentuate herself, and you see her coming to that thought when you see her do her performance. On, the st- on stage with the rapper, and she's got the coat on. There's a part of, and, and the whole idea is that she's supposed to take off the coat and basically be in her, her bra and panties, right. right? Now, yes, there's a part of that she doesn't want to do that because Nate, uh, Kaz is also watching from the wings, but I believe that the influence that Kaz was having on her was also starting to make its way into her thinking and seeing herself in that jacket. It was a white jacket, you know, that she was in. She was plenty sexy. Sure. She had the hints of what was underneath there, which is why when she started doing the dancing, she was like, no, don't take it off because I'm still selling it. The people are still feeling me. Right. You know, so so I, I can be I can be of this world, but let me own it in you know own it in my own way, and it's then only then when dude forces her you know out of it that it you know stuff goes left, and that's probably like that whole scenario is probably a little bit more you know a melodramatic, sure you know, there's some yeah. melodrama yeah. there, but you know you gotta put a little bit of that into the movie um but i i I hear what you're saying in 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 that you know that could be the writer coming from uh, the writer being of a certain age, being of a certain era. I'd ride with you on that. If I didn't know that that's not a scenario to a point that is played out with a lot of women, contemporaries of your Beyonce's and your uh, Nicki Minaj's and everything like that. That's a, that's a, that is a scenario that you know. Some people have let me know that people have tried to whisper in the ears of a lot of people have tried to whisper in the ears of NDRE. Um, uh, uh It got into the ears of A. Marie. sure. Uh, which and and boom, where did her career go? Right, uh, right. People. It got into the ears of Chris, Chrisette Michelle, and she's only now starting to rebuild her career right, from that right. from that misstep.
0: I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I mean, obviously, it happens. Yeah. So,
1: I think I, I think I, that I think that is a story I, that happens.
0: I guess it's also a story we hear. Like I think that was it was again I think there were these much more I I I guess is it's like you showed me these these moments where I know that this could be this kind of again kind of really interesting nuanced conversation about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So that when you do something kind of straightforward, I'm like, oh, I want you to do something a little bit more new. Like, I like you showed me you could okay. run. Like, okay. I like go ahead and run. Okay. Like, I, I would you. love to see what you you know, just off the top of my, you know, like an Issa Rae would mm-hmm. do with a story of a young pop star in 2016.
1: Yeah. See, but Issa Rae, I think would do something very interesting with it, but you know how Is- Issa Rae would do it? She would do it in a series.
0: Right, right. Well, and I'm, just, totally saying, I'm, than a I'm just saying with the sensibilities of, like, again, I think you have to acknowledge your point of view. Like, you have to acknowledge your perspective. And I think the problem, you, you know, one of the challenges that that black creators oftentimes face Mm-hmm. is that, and I think this is this movie, like we could talk about, like it's, it's funny you were talking about the white the white lead. Have you ever read anything about Biker Boys? The film no. Biker Boys? No. You're saying no, but it's a, it's one of those great Hollywood stories about getting that film from pitch
1: to, to screen. Isn't Biker Boys more or less supposed to be like a sequel to...
0: Uh, no, Biker Boys was always about supposed to be a film about black bikers. Okay. But it's one of those things, just like you just said, where they wanted to have white people in it. They wanted to do this. They wanted to do that. And I think one of the many challenges that black filmmakers face is going through all of those all of these issues. And I think if you make a film like Beyond the Lights and part of your pitch is I got to make this about the, the young hot. But the young hot is twenty five, so you know you can't make something about the young hot with the sensibilities of of a forty five year old. And again, it was just like though that moment it it seemed very like it seemed like that's when it seemed like a moment that could have been in a film that came out in two thousand.
1: Do you think that may be why the movie didn't catch on?
0: No, I think. I think the movie didn't catch on for a lot. I think, frankly, I mean, I mean, quite honestly, I don't know. I, what, like, what do you mean by catch on?
1: Like, I mean, I mean, I mean the movie was made for seven million no, no, dollars. No, no, fourteen million dollars. Right? It did so, did make? Like, I mean, like, yes, did it make back its right. money? Yes. I think.
0: I think you, you know, going by my own relationship with the film, I think you were right. You, you know, first of all, I didn't know it was this film. Mm-hmm. Um and you know frankly it's sort of like you, you know I think Gina Prince Blythewood has fans but I think those fans would now get the point like I'm thinking 2014 I'm gonna tell you what what the the Litmus test in in House Williams was in 2014 is this something that we can get a babysitter. You know, is this worth you know kind of taking and leaving, leaving our daughter and, and and sleepover and then we gonna do this and you you know it's like the baby got to you know go and go have swim you know we gotta do this on Saturday. Like, is this something that we gonna make arrangements for? Okay. To go see. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, it didn't pass. Didn't pass that test. That test. Mm-hmm. And again, this is not a um a reflection of Gina Price. Blythewood, Gina Prince Blythewood, excuse me, I think that's just uh, I think that's just the changing audience, not the changing audience, but the the changing circumstances of her audience. I
1: think it's a shame because this is a movie that um, and I I always have this problem with with a lot of black films, that this is a film that it's so accessible to all audiences, yeah, but unfortunately, it gets marketed as an urban film right uh, like right. like i say like it's got marketed as the 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 urban film or quote unquote young blacks uh the bodyguard right uh as opposed to just being marketed as just a very romantic good story i think this could i actually i i think you could have taken this movie and pulled about probably about two or three different trailers that could have played in in front of two or three different demographics to make this a very uh welcoming movie right i could like i could see groups of women going to see this movie i could see a uh Dates wanting to go see this movie. You know, this would be a, a very fun, uh, interesting date night. Right. Um, I could see this like being like a double date type, type of movie. Um, the marketing, I think the marketing did let it down. Uh, I think it is telling that it, since it hit uh, Netflix is, and it hit Netflix probably easily sometime last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it is still. Available for streaming on Netflix, right, right, right. is telling to how many people are finding it there. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that means that it is, it is at least finding its audience in the streaming uh, in the streaming world, and I think that bodes well for it um, to becoming like the the if nothing else, the romantic cult classic that it certainly has the possibility of.
0: I mean, becoming. that's. See, that's a whole conversation that, like, we're, like, 50 minutes into a We can't start. Like, I do think the sort of 21st century black romance. Mm-hmm. Because it, it seems like, you know, like, Will Packer and, 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 you know, it's like every eight or nine months something will come out. Like, it was just something off, like, Terrence J was the lead. And it's like, I do wonder who goes to see those films. I, I mean, look. Let's just talk. Look. You got Tyler Perry movies, and that's and it's got their market, and then that's what they do—that Tyler Perry market. I think you have period pieces, yeah. That people history is is, is you, our you know, currency and, and and you know and I don't know how much those films actually make, but you know people go see them. We talk about them, you know they get Twelve Years a Slave was right. A hit. They get thrown a bone at the Academy Awards. Twelve Years a Slave was a right. Was a hit. Selma was a hit. Every now and then you'll get a prestige project. Mm-hmm. And you you know it's it it is like um you you, you know it's 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 like kind of the post Spike Lee mm-hmm. prestige film. That may or may not make money, but they're important films. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about this before and I, again I'm I'm kind of quoting one of my very good friends, the regular ass 90s movie we got to edit that? Yeah, you can't say
1: ass on the radio. Oh my god, All no right. I just said it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the regular movie, the regular 90s movie that you know um appropriately enough, Love and Basketball is a great example of it. And I think you can't use the Love and Basketball financial formula in 2016. And you know, again, I don't think this is a reflection on those directors I think this is just where we are. Like I would love to know how much money did um, what's my movie and they're, now they're going to make a series of it on Netflix. The black movie came out about the kids in the school. It's a movie. It's a black girl and she's at the Ivy League school and she's with some other black kids and it looks like it's almost a 90s movie but look it up and edit this out because you know exactly what I'm talking
1: about. Dear white people. Dear
0: white people. Like I wonder how much money did dear white people make.
1: Oh, that's a good question.
0: You know, but I think you have these or dope. Like how much money did dope cost to make and how much money did dope make. And I think, you know, something like beyond the lights kind of falls through the cracks when we have these conversations about, you know, black movies and who's going to see black movies. So, you know, uh
1: well, Dear White People in its first week of release made just short of $350,000.
0: And that was all over my Facebook. Like every black boho Gen X with cool glasses and and nice you you know, nicely manicured beards with flecks of gray in it and and, you know, my wife got a natural and we live our little, you know, life. And, and you know, my niece and nephew, little cool black 20 year old kids and everybody I knew was talking about Dear White People. How much money do Dear White People make? Oh. Dope. Same thing. Dope. Uh, it
1: grossed six million dollars its opening weekend. And after uh, at the end of its theatrical run,
0: it grossed just shy of 18 million dollars. So these are two films that had crazy pub, at least anecdotally. Like yeah. I said, you yeah. know, like for a year or two before they came out, people were talking about these things. Yes. I remember Beyond the Lights came out. I remember seeing um, Gina Prince Blythewood giving interviews. I remember, Blythewood, you Blythewood. Like, I'm sorry,
1: Blythewood.
0: I I remember hearing, you know, I remember some of the the commercials that said from the director. Of love and basketball mm. and um disappearing acts and i remember thinking what like who is is, is this for me then mm. like like for you to name check love and basketball that means it's for me which means now again i gotta get a babysitter and do all of these other things and i just i i think it's a hard nut to crack
1: i think it it, it i hear you on that um I do think that the business model, like the business model of Dope, yes, it only made eighteen million dollars during the theatrical run. But Dope was, from what I understand, uh, made in such a way that they knew that it was only going to have a limited run, and then they're going to make a lot of its money on its, like you know, um, going out there into the streaming world and, and right, 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 and right, stuff like that. Um, Dear White People may have had a similar deal. I'm not even sure. And now it's going to be a series on right. Netflix. So you uh, know, I, I think I think um, Beyond the Lights. Might have been served by a similar business model. Um, it's, however, while dope was 2015, Dear Dear White People came out 2015. Dope was, I mean, um, Beyond the Lights came out 2014, which means that it was probably
0: in production 2013. 2014. Right, and she had been writing it since 2007. Right. So
1: it, it's it's not hard to imagine that the, you know. Believe it or not, the culture has been changing. That that business model that dope is following has only really become the the one of the more prevalent business models within the last eighteen months. Right. So right, it's, right. it's fair to say that it probably wasn't the 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 it probably wasn't there for beyond the lights.
0: I mean, the fact that we're talking about Issa Rae, like the fact yeah. that we know who Issa Rae is, is is completely a reflection. Of this new business model, Very you know, much so. using web, web's I'm looking forward to her new series. Oh my god! On uh, HBO, like I feel like we should have a, a show Mission TV. Wow, you're in my head, man. I, was I mean, about that. I mean, between the Get Down, the Get Down, Luke Cage, Queen Sugar, yeah, Green Leaf, Atlanta, Atlanta. Good Lord, yeah, yeah. Like I'm sitting here right like I was setting up my D V R for Atlanta and and Queen Sugar and like I couldn't even believe like I couldn't even believe the time that I lived in. Have you seen Atlanta? No.
1: Atlanta's good.
0: How have you seen Atlanta? It comes on at night. Atlanta is good. I, I mean uh, hey I triple's good privilege. Oh, must be nice. Um <laughs> Atlanta is good, man. Man, I'm I'm to I'm to just that's my plan tonight. That and Queen Sugar. Yeah, man. Because, you know, Queen, like this is how much I love Queen Sugar. So like we DVR Greenleaf mm-hmm. and, you know, of course, fast forward through everything, it, you know, the commercials. Right. I, I mean, you know, and we also fast forward through Ayala Van Zandt because I certainly don't get excited about Ayala <laughs> Van Zandt coming back on September 10th, nor do I DVR and watch every episode three times. <laughs> but we fast forward through all the commercials. Mm-hmm. That damn Queen Sugar commercial comes on. I stop and I watched the Queen Sugar commercial is like the best television show I've seen in years. <laughs> like Glenn Thurman, Glenn Thurman says, "I leave 800 acres of this land to my show, And they had that shot. Have you seen a commercial? The shot of the three of them in white at the funeral yeah. holding hands? Yeah. Son. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Man. So yeah, I feel like we need to sit somewhere and talk about some television. But um, I like I like Beyond the Lights. I mean, don't get me wrong. I liked it. Like I said, I didn't like it as much as you did, which it feels good for me because I feel like I'm the one that's always like I just have this. I just have like a buffet app. I just like everything. When I was listening to me talking about the monkey hustlers. Like, I just like everything. And I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, apparently didn't like it as much as you do and i think it's a weird i think it's a weird movie not the movie itself but but the 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 sort Beyond of the lights? the package i think it's a weird package in 2016 I think it feels it or, I mean, 2014 2014, but I think it feels very much like a late 90s film that was released in 2014 and when you look at how it was created you, you know written in 2007 and you, like you talked about all of the challenges that she went through to get it made to get it financed and produced mm-hmm. which again you kind of brushed it off but dog I'm telling you take about 10 minutes And look up Biker Boys. Like look up the the story of Biker Boys. Mm -hmm. And and it really is a great peek into that side of getting black films made. And dealing with the money. And the changes that the people with the money want you to make. You know, things like, why can't the lead be white? Well, why can't the lead be black? Well, we need the lead to be white. And we're the ones with the money, yeah. So I think it, you you know, I think we're at a weird moment. I think this is a this is a really it, it's it's this moment where things are changed. So like we just had the conversation about like what is the money aspect of something like, um, dear white people, or a dope, um, you know, Ava Duvernay with her. New new projects and, and, you know, under array films. And, you know, what does that look like? Because I don't know if this old model is going to work anymore. I don't know if the old model is going to work, but
1: I'll tell you one thing Gina, Gina Prince Bythewood needs to work more.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, the fact that she, you're right, right, right. Exactly. The fact that she doesn't work more. Uh, and
1: I and I appreciate that it's for want of doing her own thing. Yeah. You know, I appreciate that, but she, she does need to to work more even if even if she's like you know just supplementing things like directing television like i could see her directing the hell out of some some oh, of these, uh, yeah. episodic television yeah um but speaking about weirdness i think we would be remiss if we didn't talk uh, spend a little bit of time talking about um one of the actors in this film yeah Nate Parker yeah and some of the you know stuff that has come to the foreground right about his past right um, in recent months um, right on the cusp of the release of his big film uh, it's coming out in October yeah birth, of, birth a nation. of a nation the, yeah. the story of, of Nat Turner uh, which I have seen mm-hmm. uh, I went to a screening the other uh, a couple of weeks ago
0: and one sentence powerful okay
1: and it it's a powerful film that gave me pause, okay. A few films do that um but I, I think we we should spend at least a little bit of time talking about um his story uh for those who do not know Nate Parker back when he was a student in penn state um was dating a young girl. Mm-hmm. uh him her, and a friend I believe went to a party or something like that and got they got they were in Penn state they were college students they got drunk lo and behold, they returned to i think a dorm room yeah um where Nate and this young girl who he was dating it, well they were seeing each other from what I understand they liked each other at least um they have uh begin to have Sex, um, and she, but she's she's wasted, he's wasted too, and she's wasted. And n- next thing you know, he I'm not exactly sure how the story goes, but in some way, shape, or form, his friend joins in with them, um, and they both have sexual uh, intercourse with this young lady uh it who you know uh filed claims of sexual assault it um becomes a criminal proceeding uh that makes its way through the courts and as it makes its way through the court uh Nate Parker is acquitted of the charges. Yes. Um his friend is found guilty guilty yes of sexual assault um but this uh greatly you know
0: affects the young woman um on appeal the case is dropped against the friend yes yeah so yes
1: on appeal it is because the
0: the prosecution said that they didn't want to try the case they couldn't find people like people were right. kind of scattered you know scattered I mean? so they,
1: they 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 so they drop it uh and the young woman she's she's deeply affected by this uh so much so that it pretty much um for all intents and purposes kind of like wrecks her life for a few years uh leading into in 2012 because this took place in 2009
0: I thought it was 1999. Oh, 1999. Right. Yeah. Having in 1999. Having in, in
1: 1999. Her life is like irref- irrevocably uh, altered. She she uh, having a hard time dealing with this. Um goes through many bouts of depression and all types of uh issues um that lead to in 2012 uh when she takes her lo- her own life. Right. Um at the time, Nate Parker is now, this is 12, you know, over 10 years later. He's graduated, he was acquitted, he's lived his life, he's trying to be an actor, things like that. He's done Beyond the Lights. Uh, Now he is, as a writer and director and producer of this big movie that was like uh, won awards for a cell at the Cannes Film Festival, The Birth of a Nation. Uh, Now it's about to make its big big release and the story, which has always been out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like He's look, always been very upfront If you look at, at it,
0: interviews with like the great, during the Great Debaters, he yeah, talks about Yeah, because he was in the Great Debaters
1: yeah. and he was in uh, Red Tails. Yeah. As well. And whenever, he's never hid from this. Uh, it's in his, you know, it's it is in his bio. It's in right. A, it's in a wiki. It's in IW. It's, it's out there. Right. He's never uh, hid from this from this t- uh, story. Yeah. Um, and while he has always professed his innocence he has certainly n- never he has also expressed his uh regret over the situation right as well and its effect on this young woman um but now of course you know at this biggest moment in his career it is now all coming to the head, um and uh threatens to, you know, put uh put a, a very dark shadow over the release of what should be a uh, one of the crowning achievements of his career. And there are a lot of people out there that have a great many mixed feelings. Yeah. About this whole Situation.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, here we are again. Like, like you know, we we talked about this in one of our very first episodes when we kind of dealt with with Bill Cosby, with Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. and and you know, I I think I have a you know I I I feel various things about this. I, I think first and foremost, I, I think I think for many of us, us being black people. I think, the, I think there is this default defensiveness because of what, you know, it's frankly sort of white hypocrisy. Very much. Not all white people, you know, whatever qualifier that you feel comfortable with. Not some white people, many white people, this white person, that white person. But there is this generalized hypocrisy mm-hmm. that you start to see when you are talking about a Nate Parker when you're talking about a Chris Brown, when you're talking about an R. Kelly, when you're talking about a Bill Cosby, when you talk about a Michael Jackson, like these black men who rightly or wrongly are accused of these heinous crimes. And there's a venom there that you don't see Mm -hmm. with a Rob Lowe who made a film with two underage girls Mm -hmm. and his excuse was I didn't know that they were sixteen. With Josh Brolin, who assaulted his wife. With um you know, um you know, David Bowie, who had underage sex with women. Um I believe I believe those everyone pay attention, those two words, I believe Woody Allen groomed, molested. And married his stepdaughter, yes now of those three things that I just said, I believe one of them is a matter of record like he's actually married to his stepdaughter yes now then there are people who hear that that they start equivocating, well, him and Mia and Pharaoh weren't married, so technically that's not his stepdaughter make and is not and and that space right there is the space that I think a lot of people Hone in on. Like, I've seen interviews with Judd Apatou where, because I'm going to call him out, where, like, in the exact same interview, he'll talk real slick about Bill Cosby and then kind of talk about Woody Allen, like, you know, Woody Allen's that and the other. And so I think that hypocrisy kind of makes the conversation almost. It's not a good conversation from the very, because I do think that you do have this, um, this, um, this intermingling, if you will, of race and gender Mm -hmm. when we talk about this type of thing. Excuse me. Excuse me. So, you know, you have that. Um, you know, I hear people, you, you know, sort of the conspiracy theory angle of it. Where you know because of it coming out because time. right because Birth of a Nation is coming out and there's gonna be a strong radical movie and 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 you you know it's about Nat Turner and now they're gonna do this to derail this black man and you know I'm gonna say this I think the most insulting thing you can say to a black person is that you're overreacting or you're seeing things that aren't there yeah because if you have like a tenth grade history education. This is a country that very much does stuff like this. Like, you know, whether you talking about COINTELPRO, whether you talking about you, you know, um the LAPD disrupting the um the, the Crip in Blood Truce of ninety two, whether you talking about what happened to Paul Robeson and 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 and, and you know other you, you know, um what's my girl's name from Boomerang? Ma, I Oh, uh Eartha Kitt. Eartha Kitt. Being driven out of the United States. So to say that it's not possible is amazingly insulting. Right. Whether you believe it or not. You know, like my my children are vaccinated. I believe in vaccines. I know black people who don't believe in vaccines and they say because this is a country where stuff you know the medical industry has experimented on black people and so, mm-hmm. and I don't agree with them that vaccines are wrong but I would never say oh you crazy it's not like the, the government would do I mean no the government actually would do that because the government did it right so there's that part of it and then not for nothing this is a man or these are men who were charged with rape at Penn State and if you know anything about Happy Valley, Happy Valley ain't never been cool for black people. Very true. They went to trial, eventually both got off. And I think that's worth stating that these two black men were charged with raping a white woman and were found not guilty. Mm-hmm. Having say having said all of that, like I do think you have to acknowledge everything I said. Like it's seven hundred pages. Of the transcript of of what of what happened of the court transcript. I have not read all 700 pages, but I read a lot of it. Like I read a lot of it. Like, like I'm comfortable saying I read hundreds of pages of it. And one thing that everyone agrees on. This young lady was very, very drunk. And had started drinking before she met up with Nate Parker. So she had been drinking, and you know, you know, you and I were talking off the mic, and, and at just my experience with the, the, you know the this, this sort of group sex, and, and it's uh, most most of the time, not all the time. You don't want to say some women don't enjoy it, and, and it's, you know you don't want to take away a woman's agency, and it's my Now maybe this is what I enjoy, but a lot of the times it's one of two things: the woman is very very drunk to the point of being incapacitated and she's not in her right mind to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Or this is somebody who likes one of the men so much that she's going to do this. But she, you know, like she's doing it because he wants her to do it. So, you know, you don't want to use a word like coerce. Yeah, yeah. But it is certainly not a case of I would have brought this up myself. And I think I think Nate Parker raped her. I believe Nate Parker raped this woman.
1: Okay, but he got acquitted.
0: No, 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 no. I mean, he got acquitted. Absolutely. You know, I think George Zimmerman murdered T- Tr- Trayvon Martin. He also got acquitted. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I think O.J. Simpson murdered Nicole Brown Simpson Ron Goldman and was also acquitted. Now then, I also think the fix was in. So... Just because somebody was acquitted, and, and doesn't mean that that it wasn't some fishiness going on, and you know, I think we need to have this conversation. I, I think um, Gabrielle Union wrote a great op-ed this week and about this, and one of the things that she said that stayed with me is that even if a woman doesn't say no, her silence is not consent. True, and I think many of us are learning new vocabulary and, and and having a new awareness. And ultimately, I don't think it is out of order to have this critique. Whether you found out yesterday, whether you found out 10 years ago about what is happening. About what happened mm-hmm. with Nate Parker and his... You know, and his friend, who's also the, his co-writer, one of the co-writers of this script, and this woman. Now then, I'm going to go see Birth of the Nation when it came out because you, you know I think I'm also pretty clear that I'm pretty agnostic about my artists. Like, like I think I, I think you can make the separation. I can make the separation. Like I think I actually think Clint Eastwood is an awful human being. But if you want to stop this taping, somebody roll in a TV and have Unforgiven playing. And I'll stop what I'm doing right now, you know. I, th- and, but but that's me, right? And and I think people have to sort. I don't I, I know. I
1: have to, they have to make the decision for themselves. People have to
0: make the decision for themselves. Like I, I, I'm pretty sure I talked about this because this is what made me kind of articulate this with myself. Pearl Cleage wrote a book in the early '90s called Mad at Miles, mm-hmm. talking about Miles Davis and how she kind of struggles. With listening to Miles Davis and Miles Davis, you, you know his personal life. Right. You know, sort of, he was a woman batter and this that, and the other. And I, I did, and and I, 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 I can make that separation, and maybe that says something about me. But I, I do think I have no problem with people kind of coming to their own truth. Yeah. about what they're going to yeah. do. but I do think that as men we need to talk about it so you you know like you said we had this movie Nate Park was in the movie and and we didn't think it was appropriate for us not to say anything right especially because we're two men yeah. and, and I think one of the things that I hear a lot of women say and you know frankly a lot of black women mm-hmm. about black men is that we are not the allies to them many times that they are to us, and oftentimes it has to do with issues of sexual assault. It has yeah. to do with you, you know with these these very gendered issues where you know again, sister bend over backwards and catch non bullets, and then we like, well, what was her what was her drunk ass doing in there? Right. And so you know, we we thought we should say something. Yeah you know we thought we should we should say something
1: i th- i think it was only it was only responsible that we do say something and um because just as people are going to have confliction when it comes time to uh decide whether or not they're going to go to the local theater to see the birth of a nation um it is not hard to imagine that now there that there are people with Conflicted emotions mm-hmm. about you know pressing play on Netflix to watch Beyond the Lights. Absolutely. Um, so I think you've you've got to make that decision for yourself um, whether or not you can make the separation. There are some situations where you can, and some situations where you, where you can't. And and I don't think that being able to make the situation should be in any way a commentary on someone's feelings about the situation. Right. You know, um, because neither of us are are down for what happens uh, for any type of sexual assault at all. At (laughs) all.
0: No, we are anti-sexual assault.
1: Big time. Yeah. Big time. Um, but you, you've got to make that decision for yourself. I, I will say that, you know, I liked I liked him in this movie. I liked him in the Birth of a Nation.
0: I like Nate Parker.
1: I d- I didn't like him before this.
0: Yeah, I, I like liked him in the Great Debaters, and I th- I did not like the Great Debaters. Like I've said for years that I didn't like the Great Debaters, but I liked that young boy. Okay, I called him that young boy, and somebody said who Derek Luke, and I said no, the other you know the other one, the, the other, other one. one.
1: Yeah. I didn't like him in the um, I didn't like Red Tails.
0: You know what? I haven't seen Red Tails. Mm
1: it's not i I, judge for yourself but i don't think it's a great movie which is not hard to imagine because it's directed by george lucas and i don't think george lucas is a good director wow
0: he's not there it is he's not you'll notice i'm not fighting you (laughs)
1: we're not gonna have that
0: fight we're not gonna hey man you know I'm the dude that rediscovered Star Wars when I showed it to my nine year old daughter, and I said, "Hey, you know what? This isn't bad," Hmm. because you know we're so long right now. But but you know, like like we are bad long. But you know, I'm I'm like like I was I I like the weird science fiction. Yeah, you're like, like I, I, I never like told a you off
1: kilter. Right?
0: Like, like I went and like you know, my dad had me. You, you know, it was like the Logan's Run and like I watched. You know, the day the Earth stood still and all that fifties and sixties weird. And I remember going to see Star Wars. And I remember when the lights came on. I basically looked at my dad and was like, "That's it." Yeah. So you know, speaking of, and we're, we're
1: mad long. Mm-hmm. I just watched Logan's Run again. For the first time in like ever, and maybe about a month ago, and that is such a cuckoo movie,
0: man. man. That
1: is a cuckoo movie, dog. That is a cuckoo bad. Logan's movie. Run That's
0: a bad movie. Lo- t- t- they let the kids run the studio?
1: <laughs> it's a bad movie. It could have been so much. You better. know
0: what you need to watch now, since it's, since it's, it, you know they, they're turning the series. When's the last time you actually watched Westworld? Westworld, Westworld is a weird movie. A weird movie. You, you know, know what's that. weird too. Have you seen Future World, the sequel?
1: I've saw I've I've seen it, but it's probably been since since I've saw Westworld.
0: They are weird. They're the weird, weird flicks, man. man. I'm
1: looking forward to the series, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I um, I used to teach Soylent Green.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Another weird movie. You know, I love those Charlton Hest. There's another one, Charlton Hess, I think. You know, I'm not. The, like I love the three Charlton Heston movies do you, from the early
1: 70s you, you, do you, you want to close this movie on me making you mad
0: okay okay
1: um, on the end of September uh-huh. in New York mm-hmm. the Black Tribbles are going to New York to watch a pre-screening of Westworld Oh. HBO is sending us Why there.
0: aren't you getting us stuff?
1: I'm trying, dude. All right. I got us on the radio. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm trying. All right. But they reach out to the Tribbles. What can I, I do? Know. All right. All
0: right, we'll get, it, this is good. get on it. All, right. I, I'll, I'll I do, All right.
1: I'll see what I can do. All right. I'll see what I do. You could have came to see Birth of the Nation. I know. But I you know. Couldn't, you couldn't I, go. Yeah, I
0: know. You're right. You're right. You're right. So, he did. We, I was supposed to go. But yeah, you're right. I was out of town and something. Having adventures. I don't know. All right, <laughs> we gotta get out of here. We, <laughs> yeah. look, all
1: right, I hope you've enjoyed this this uh, this this Philly cheesesteak thick edition,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like a Max's Philly. I'm about to say like a Max's a cheesesteak right.
1: cheese edition, yeah, of the show Mission, ladies and gentlemen. Um Hit us up. Email us at MichelleMission at gmail.com You can reach us on Twitter at mission michelle. Find us on Facebook and like us on Facebook at MichelleMission Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know your feedback on our review of Beyond the Lights and James Bond
0: and Logan's Run and everything else we talked about. Nate Parker and white hypocrisy
1: We, We went left. Hey, if you saw Dear White People, let us know what you thought about Dear White People. Let us know what you thought. Um, Next week it'll be your choice. I'm sure you don't even know what we're going to be watching next week.
0: I actually do.
1: Oh my god, what are we going to be
0: watching? Pearly Victorious.
1: Pearly Victorious. Ozzy Davis, Ruby D, and Alan Alda. Yeah. Wow. Boy. Okay. All right. You
0: see, like, like you see, I'm, I'm actually holding up the DVD because I'm, gonna go, I'm going to let Lynn hold it mm-hmm. and watch. So then he gives it back to me, and then I'll watch. Because I usually watch it like the day of. But like, I'm holding it up, and like you see the little wrapping paper on it yeah because this was a gift oh really yeah boy
1: wow okay i haven't even cracked
0: it open
1: Uh, was this a recent gift
0: no 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 it's been sitting on my shelf like i've seen it but you know i haven't seen this copy of it in the dvd but yeah pearly victorious all right i'm looking forward to this yeah victorious
1: davis ruby day uh i'm really looking forward to this John. this will will be pretty dope all right so that's what's coming up next on the michelle mission ladies and gentlemen this is Len and for events and parting we say,
0: We'll see you when it's time to meet again.